Jesus, the Son of our living God, sent to the world not to condemn, but to save. He lived on earth for many years, sharing the good news with all nations. Jesus died a criminal's death. He was beaten, crucified, and buried. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Jesus is alive and wants to make a difference in your life and the lives of those around you. Jesus is our living water, the bread of life, our rock and firm foundation. Jesus is our Savior, our Shepherd, our true vine, and our light in this world. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you again tonight. That was actually my first time seeing that bumper video, and that is absolutely amazing and perfect for this sermon. Um, this thing's like stuck. Jeez. All right, so I'm excited to be here again with you guys uh, again tonight. Let me get situated here um, while we kick off this new series. Um, so the series is called Jesus, Our Blank, and we're going to attempt to fill in that blank for you um, the next four weeks. We're going to look at Jesus' life and his teaching and explore just how, these, how valuable these lessons are and how these can change your life and the lives of those around you. Through Jesus' teachings, he took on many roles. He explained who he was through his lessons that he shared throughout the Gospels. Jesus taught hundreds of lessons um, through the New Testament. He was a revolutionary figure who challenged traditions, religions, and beliefs. He's one of the first real free thinkers and thought leaders who really inspired the world through his teachings. In this series, we chose four of Jesus' teachings, four of his lessons, where we get a true glimpse into who he is to us today and who he was and who he always will be. These are the things that we thought were the most applicable to our lives given the circumstances that are in the world today. When people see who Jesus is to you, they're going to want a piece of it. These lessons in the scriptures that we use are going to equip you to be able to share who Jesus is to you with anyone and everyone. So tonight I'm going to kick us off by talking about how Jesus is our Savior. Next week Mark's going to be on stage talking about how Jesus is our shepherd. Mark's going to be up on stage the week after talking about how Jesus is our vine. And finally Allie's going to make her debut up on the teaching stage. She's so excited for it. Um, and she's going to be talking about how Jesus is our light. Um, so really to start off tonight, I want to talk to you about an experience I had a couple months ago. And yeah, we'll see where this goes. So I was doing my weekly shopping. Um, I was in Walmart. I was just grabbing a few things. I was kind of in a rush, not going to lie. And full disclosure, I was going the wrong way down one of the one-way aisles, um, as I'm sure many of you have. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but God forgives me, right? Um, but anyway, I was walking, and I was kind of in a rush. And I saw this lady coming towards me, and it was an older lady. She was in a, in a motorized uh, scooter. So I respectfully stepped to the side to let her pass by. Uh, it was kind of a, a, a narrow aisle. Um, and, and when she passed me, she stopped and she said, uh, is the door that way? Now I misunderstood her and didn't really know what she said. Um, I thought she said the door is that way, like she was trying to kick me out of the store for going down the wrong way down this aisle. Um, but it was the mess, because she, she wasn't doing that. So I said, I'm not looking for the door, ma'am, I'm sorry, like, I'm just here to shop. <laughs> um, but then she said, how do I get out of here? A little, a little bit snarkier, um, but obviously I misunderstood her. I'm, so, I'm sorry, ma'am, um, 
the door's that way, just go straight, take a right, the door will be on your left, right? And we both went on our own ways. This doesn't sound like much of a story, and it's really not, but I think it's more applicable to the, to the sermon today than you or I might even think. It makes sense in my head, so I hope I can relay that to you. So this lady was lost, right? She was lost in Walmart. And sometimes in this world, we get lost. We lose sight of the big picture. Now, the big picture here is that we get to live for eternity in heaven. And that we, but we still get to experience the kingdom of God while we're on earth. That's the, that's the big picture. And as heartbreaking as it is, some people, they remain lost forever. They never get to hear about the door. They never get to hear about the good news and that this isn't all there is to life. They never get to hear about the kingdom of God. Now, this old lady, she, she knew about the door. She wanted to get out of Walmart, as I'm sure most people who, who go to Walmart do. They don't want to be stuck there forever. But she, knew where the do- or she wanted to know where the doors were. Not only did she want to go there, she wanted to step or roll, in her case, through those doors. Um, she knew there was more to life than just being stuck in Walmart. And today, I want you to know that there's more to life than just being in this world. We need to focus on the kingdom of God when we're in this world. So I know there's, there's probably about three different types of people who are in the room today. That's really what it boils down to. First, we have the believers, the strong believers, the, the seasoned believers, who are firm in their faith and who want to do the will of God. They're eager to learn more. Next, we have believers who are, are maybe new believers, or maybe they just um, aren't really happy with where their relationship with God is at right now. For one reason or another, you're lost. You've been through the door and you've experienced the kingdom of God kingdom of God, but for some reason you're not there right now. And finally, we have the non-believers. Maybe you're here with friends, a significant other, trying to press someone. But whatever that reason is, you haven't heard the gospel, you haven't heard the good news, and you haven't given your life to God. And no matter which one of these identify, you identify with, I hope you identify with one of them. Um, but regardless of which one, I think I have a message for you. So tonight, I'm going to treat you like the old lady. That's what you always wanted, right? I'm going to treat you like the old lady, and I'm going to tell you about the door. But more specifically, I'm going to tell you how to get to the door, how to step through the door, and experience the kingdom of God. And I also want to equip you with what you need to tell others how to get to the door and help them step through that door. So let me be clear. When I say, like, the door, I mean the kingdom of God. I don't mean just, like, a physical door. I mean the kingdom of God. I want you to know the path through the kingdom and how to get in. So before we jump into the real, the real message of the night, I want to talk to you about one of the Old Testament stories, um, the book of Hosea. Now, Hosea was a minor prophet, and he was actually the first prophet in the, in the series of prophet, minor, minor prophets. Sorry. And Hosea actually means salvation, or he saves. So Hosea is often taught in church and given sermons um, as a story, a love story, a story of love. And I don't disagree with that at all, but I see it more of a story of radical salvation. So through this story, um, God is speaking to Hosea. And the first thing that God tells Hosea to do is, it starts off by God telling Hosea to marry a prostitute. This prostitute's name is Gomer. Hosea is obedient and he obeys God's commandments. He, he marries Gomer. Um, they get married, they have kids, they have a family, and, and all that jazz, right? Um, And God sends more prophetic messages through the story, but we're not going to focus on those right now. But one thing leads to another, and Gomer abandons Hosea. She leaves everything. 
The story continues, and God says to Hosea, go again, Hosea, go and find her. And God continues by saying, love this woman who is loved by a lover and is right now a committing adultery. Go find her, Hosea, just like the Lord loved for Israel. Now here when it says Israel, it does mean Israel, but it also prophetically speaks to God's love for, for the world, for humanity. When God says, go find Gomer again, it is like God's love for the children of Israel who are lost. They love the things of this world like we talked about two weeks ago. They, they're not focused on God. They, love, they find love. They find meaning. They find their purpose in like the stuff, things, and possessions of this world. So I want you to think about this story, right? God is telling Hosea to go find his wife, Gomer, who was a former prostitute and is back into prostitution. Like, if this was you, where would you go? Where would you even start looking for her? This is just a messy situation all around. And I've never been in this situation. I, I hope and pray that you aren't and never will be in this situation. But where would you start? But Hosea is obedient. He goes to the streets and he starts looking for his wife. He goes to the streets, and these aren't some good streets. These aren't nice, nice suburbs. Um, these are bad streets. These are streets that, that people of God should never be seen in. But Hosea keeps looking. And the story continues when Hosea says, So I bought her. I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. Now you're probably a little bit confused, right? Because, because this man, Hosea, he's buying his wife back. Like, isn't she already his? Why does he have to buy her? But we really need to take a step back and, and really um, to understand why he's buying her. So Gomer's back in the sex slave industry. And this isn't explicitly stated in the book, but based on the times, we can, we can make these assumptions. So it, it's, it's very likely that Gomer was up on some pedestal. She was probably chained and shackled, probably naked, and just being sold to the highest bidder. She was, she was in an auction, right? And Hosea stumbles upon this. He sees her there. And he says, excuse me, that's my wife. I'd like her back, please. People probably laugh at him, like, this, there's no way this woman's married. Like, go home or something. But he, he insists, this is my wife, sir. I'd like her back. And he probably responded, um, he, he, he found the price of her, and he paid for it in full. He, Hosea p paid for what was already his. And I wanted to make this clear that in the Bible, Hosea is a picture of God, and no offense, but you and I, we're Gomer. The scriptures say in, in Psalms 24:1 that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So 2,000 years ago, God sent his son as a sacrifice, Jesus Christ as a sacrifice. The sacrifice was to pay for our salvation. God paid for what was already his. See, the other men at this auction, they were seeking to buy Gomer, to use her for things that we're not going to talk about in church, but I think you get the picture here. But Hosea bought her to save her, to heal her, to redeem her, and to ultimately heal her. See, Hosea bought Gomer, who was already his, and this is a picture of the gospel. Hosea prophesied this 750 years before Jesus Christ was sent to the earth, and he didn't know it was going to be this long at the time, but he prophesied that there would be a day when Jesus Christ is sent to the earth to save humanity. And I really wish I had to dive, time to dive into the more prophetic part of the book, because it's just a beautiful picture, but I only have so long. Um, 
but these, these are the days that we live in today. Our Hosea has come and our salvation has come. He has found you and he's found me. God walked through the most horrendous, sin-filled, dark places, talking and communicating with sinful and broken humanity to find us. And I just want to make this clear that just as Hosea came searching for his wife, Jesus came searching for the salvation of humanity. So what were you like when God found you? You probably weren't all, all clean and put together and neat and tidy. I know for a fact that I wasn't. But God insisted. He, he asked how much. How much is it to save you? And the answer to that was it was the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Then and only then will God's wrath, this wrath that is rightfully on our head, let us not forget that. Then and only then will God's wrath be settled. And God said, very well then, I'll send my son. So speaking of radical salvation, I want to give you a little glimpse into my life and, and just kind of what took place there. So I was a Christian, born and raised from the time I was born. Um, I went to church, I went to youth group, all that jazz, as I'm sure many of you did. So I, I grew up, I, you know, started making decisions for myself. I took a step back, I looked at the world, I looked at what I, what I learned in church and what I gathered there, and I stepped back and I, I, I believed in God. Like, I did it for myself, not for my parents. Like, I truly believed in God. But I didn't get the whole picture yet. See, I knew the religion. I didn't know the relationship. I only knew the religion. See, I was a Christian, and I, I identified as a Christian, but I was living a spiritless life. I didn't have the Holy Spirit with me. And this lasted through my junior, junior year of high school. And I was going through a little bit of a rough patch. I still believed, and I was still somewhat strong in my faith. And it wasn't like I was doing anything terrible, nothing life-changing or life-breaking. Um, but I wasn't in the best of places. I wasn't doing the best things. I was in places I shouldn't be with people I shouldn't be with and doing things I probably shouldn't do. And this was the case until one morning at a, at a soccer practice in the end of summer before my senior year. Um, there was this group that came to talk to us, came to talk to our team. Um, the group was Time to Revive Ministries and they're out of Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And what they do is they travel the country sharing the gospel. They share the gospel with really anyone and everyone, anyone who will listen. They hand out Bibles and wristbands. It's actually like this wristband here that I have on my wrist, and I've worn it ever since I was saved. That's just how much it meant to me. But they hand out these wristbands and Bibles, and they just assist in sharing the gospel in a way that makes sense. So Dr. Kyle Lance Martin, um, he's the founder and CEO of this ministry, and I've gotten the honor and privilege of getting to know him very well. He's an amazing man and truly a, a spiritual leader in my life. But he shared this message of salvation with our team. Now, I don't want to get too much into the message of salvation that they shared, because that's really the meat of, of my message for you today. But the message that they shared, it clicked. It finally clicked in me. I finally understood what Christianity was all about. I finally understand the gospel and what salvation means. After 18 years of attending church, I finally understood it all. This is when I stood up in front of my teammates and I declared that, the, that God is the Lord of my life and I haven't looked back a day since. I was saved and this is the message of salvation that I want to share with you tonight. Now this message that they, say, that they uh, share, it's only five verses and each verse has a word that's associated with it. So if you're a note taker tonight, I, I encourage you to continue doing that. Uh, if you're not a note taker, I encourage you to start tonight. 
Um, it's only five words and five verses, so I think you'll be able to handle it. It's not too much. So the message really starts in Romans 3.23. And it reads that, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is a pretty simple and easy to understand verse, right? It's that we're all sinners. Raise your hand if, if you've ever sinned. I know I have. How about, let's see, raise your hand if you've never sinned. Do we have any liars, liars in the room? Okay, good. Um, so either way you sin. Maybe you sin all the time, or maybe you make a conscious effort not to sin, but when you do sin, you make it count, you know, or maybe you're somewhere in between. Either way, you fall short of the glory of God. Now, glory sets standards for us, or God sets standards for us. And God's standards were perfect, but we are, we are far from perfect, so we fall short of those standards. So sin is the first word that I want you to remember. We're all sinners. That's the bottom line. And next we go to Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. So does everyone know what a wage is? I'm assuming you do, but just to clarify, a wage is what you earn for doing something. So because we sin, our wage, what we earn for that is death. Now this makes minimum wage seem not so bad, right? But sin leads to death, and death is our second word. Now I want to make this clear, just what this death means. This death is death in the world. This is a, this is a separation from God for eternity, forever. So if you don't believe in God when you die, this death is hell. This isn't something that is usually talked about in church, and it's kind of a, a, a dark message, but, but it is essential because if hell didn't exist, there would be no need for Christ. But we need Christ. There's a need for Christ, so there has to be, there has to be a hell. This is quite the encouraging message tonight, right? And I know this is all bad news so far, um, but I just have to make this clear because in order to understand the good news that's ahead, you have to understand the weight of this bad news. And the bad news is that we're all sinners who are headed towards eternal death. So let's move on to a little more happy stuff. So in Romans 5, 8, it says, But God demonstrates his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the word here that I want to really highlight and emphasize is love. Now, I talked about this a few weeks ago, so if you're paying attention, I shouldn't have to talk about this too much. But for those who weren't there, we'll assume you guys remember everything. Um, I'll, I'll go into a little bit of detail. So love is demonstrated to us in the world every day. Um, people do acts of kindness. They love us, and they show that towards us by doing things. This could be from your mom and dad, your girlfriend or boyfriend, a uh, neighbor, roommate, or even some random stranger at Walmart on a scooter. Either way, these, these different kinds of love, they're demonstrated to us in the real world. And in the same sense, God demonstrates his love for us by sending Jesus Christ into the world. God loves us, and this is shown through Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin and the death. The sin and death don't matter anymore. That's why Jesus came. So I want to recap a little bit. What was our first word? Do you guys remember? Sin. Good. And sin leads to? Death. Good. But God loves us, right? He loves us and sent Jesus to take away the sin and the death. So sin and death don't matter anymore. So now I want to pose a question to you. Let's say you're at the gates of heaven and, and God asks you why he should let you into heaven. What would you say? I think... 
I think a pretty typical answer here would be it's based on something you've done. You know, you're, you're a good person. You give money to church or to charity. You go out of your way to help people. You have empathy. You show compassion. You haven't done anything too bad to, to not be able to go to heaven. You know, something along that line. I don't want to say you're wrong, but, but you are. Um, so this next verse that we're going to go through is, is going to clear this up for you. So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 reads that, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. So I want to pose a question to you. Let's say that you're at the gates of heaven and God asks you why he should let you into heaven. What would you say? Well, this verse makes it clear it's, it's because you believe. You believe. You have faith in Jesus Christ. You have faith that Jesus Christ was sent to the world to die for you. It is through faith, and faith is our fourth word I want you to write down. It is through faith, by the grace of God, that we are saved. So, if I could give you one gift, anything in the world, what would it be? Someone shout something out. A new Jeep. Perfect. <laughs> so if I could have this waiting for you when you come next week, uh, what would you naturally do? Exactly. You take the gift, right? This is, this is your Jeep. You, you earned it. Now, I, don't come next week expecting something. Um, <laughs> But you would still take, this is a hypothetical Jeep. You would take the Jeep because it's, it's a gift to you. You would take it. Now here, God is offering you a gift, and this gift is better than anything you can imagine or that I can give you. It's better than that Jeep. I promise you that. And this is the gift of salvation. It's, it's a gift from God. And all you have to do is take it. Now, I've been in this boat, and I understand a lot of you are probably thinking that you don't deserve this gift. That God would never offer you this gift because of just who you are. You're broken. You're a mess. Uh, you're a sinner. You're, you're in this hole, and it just keeps getting deeper, and there's, there's no way out. You don't have time for this. You're a wreck. Your life's a mess. The list goes on and on of excuses you might make to why you don't deserve this. And also, you might be thinking that and I've been in this place, too, where you're thinking that you're going to work extra hard to fix yourself so that you're in a place where you think you do deserve this gift. You're going to work extra hard to fix yourself. And I mean this in the most respectful way possible, but you're wrong. This is completely backwards thinking and opposes everything that Jesus taught throughout the Gospels. This is against everything in the Bible. It isn't that I'm going to fix myself so that I can know Jesus better. It's that I'm going to accept Jesus. I'm going to accept this gift so that he will fix me, heal me, and restore me. Let's go back to the story of Hosea real fast. Gomer wasn't working on fixing herself so that she could come back to, to Hosea, was she? She wasn't fixing herself so that she could come reunite the marriage. It was Hosea who went searching for Gomer. While she was at her absolute worst, he found her and he bought her. He bought her so that he could heal her, love her, restore her, and save her. And this is exactly how God treats us. He finds us when we're at our absolute worst and saves us right there and then. We don't have to be perfect to come into the presence of God. So another recap. We are sinners, sinners who are destined towards death, eternal death, right? But God loves us. 
He loves us, and he shows this by sending Jesus Christ to save us. And this wipes away the sin and the death. And if you have faith in this love, if you have faith that Jesus Christ came to the world to save you, this is where it all gets good, and this is my favorite part. And we're going to get to see what happens next after you believe. So Romans 10, 9 through 10, um, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So how are we saved? This, this message is supposed to be about, all about Jesus, our Savior, so how are we saved? Now, this says it very clearly. It's, it's when you say out loud with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he's the Lord of your life, and you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, this is when you're saved, and this is when you get life. Life is our fifth and final word. You get life. You get life when you have faith in what Jesus did by dying on the cross. But you just have to confess it. You have to say out loud that Jesus is the Lord of your life. You have to give it all to him. All the stress, all the pain, all the anxiety, no matter what you're going through, with school, with sports, with relationships, with finances, everything. You have to give it to God, and this is where life truly begins. This is when you step through the door and experience the, you know, the outside life, the kingdom of God. Does this all make sense? I hope it does. So I guess my question to each one of you is, have you ever made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Have you ever made this commitment? Have you ever fully committed your life to God? It took me 18 years, 18 years of going to church religiously before I understood this concept, before I stood up and made my life a living sacrifice to God. I made this sacrifice and I haven't looked back since. And now there's not some like magic potion or spell that I cast upon you and then you're saved. All it takes is a conversation, a prayer, a prayer with God. You just have to treat him like your father. Talk out loud with him, and he will save you. This can happen anywhere, at any time, in any place. So after, after salvation, after you have God with you, like, what happens? 2 Corinthians 5.17 gives us a very, very good summary of what happens. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Basically, you're a new person. When you accept Christ into your life, he gives you the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is given to you, and it changes your heart. There's actually spiritual change within you. And this is, the Holy Spirit's a topic we've already talked about in depth, so I encourage you to go back to your notes there. But basically, the Holy Spirit was given to you, and he provides you with comfort. He is your helper. He's your teacher. He's your giver of spiritual gifts. And this is where you really start to grow and build this relationship with God. It's through the Holy Spirit. And this is the part I was missing before in my life, before I understood the gospel. I was not living a spirit-filled life, but now I am. I, I truly believe that God's word, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit give us everything we need to become more like Jesus. God's word is where you learn from him, and the Holy Spirit is what helps you to understand this. And now this is one way to really go into discipleship and learn more about God and further your relationship with God. But also, there's so many things within the church, within Bible studies, with communities, just like this right now. It is all helping you grow in your relationship with God. So I want to recap this real fast just to make sure everyone understands. Uh, does everyone remember what the first word is? 
it's sin, and sin leads to? But God loves us, right? And how did he show this love for us? He sent Jesus. Good try. So God loves us, and he, he shows his love towards us by sending Jesus to die for us. The word is love, so I kind of got you there. Trick question. But when we believe in this love, when we believe that Jesus came to die for us, if we have faith in that, there's the word. I heard it earlier. When we have faith in that, this is when we have life. This is when you step through that door and into the kingdom of God. So I've been talking a lot about how Jesus is your savior, your individual, like each one of you, he is your savior. But I kind of want to make a little pivot here. Um, so I explained how, how you get to the door and how you walk through the door and experience the kingdom of God. But now I want to talk about how Jesus is our savior and how we can do that together. He's our savior in the sense that no matter who you're with or where you're at, you can say that Jesus is our savior and that will be 100% true. And, and to take a look at this, I, w- I want to look back at um, my life in the kind of post-radical salvation phase. So I was saved, I had the Holy Spirit in me um, through being saved and uh, baptism. I felt like a completely new person. I was on fire for God, like I was so high on life and this was because of God, because of the Holy Spirit. I couldn't keep this to myself. I wanted the world to know that I was saved by the grace of God and that he wanted to do the same thing in each and every person's life that I came in contact with. I saw the power that the message of the gospel had And this experience is why I'm really up here today talking with you. I saw just the power of this message. So I got involved with the ministry, the Time to Revive ministry that came and talked at my soccer practice. Um, And they were making their way around Ohio. They were continuing to share the message of salvation, of the gospel, of Jesus Christ, really with with anyone and everyone. So I joined and I I started skipping school. Don't tell everyone that. But I started skipping school. Uh, Don't advise it. But it was for God, right? So it's okay. And I just started sharing this message with people. My heart was really with the students who were my age. Like, I knew what they were going through. I knew the temptations they faced. I knew exactly what they were going through, where they were at, and what they were facing. And I wanted to make an impact in their lives because I saw what God did in my life, and I wanted him to do that in every single person that I came in contact with. And more specifically, um, I made my way into sports teams and talking with sports teams, just like Kyle came and talked with my, my soccer team. Um, I did that with other teams. So through my time, I had these connections with these teams, and I, t- I shared this message with hundreds, literally hundreds of students, just within a short few, few months. And this was the most rewarding and spirit-filling time of my life. This was the highest moment that I've experienced as far as my relationship with God goes. I was living a spirit-filled life. I was embracing the Holy Spirit and leaning on Him every day to love people, to discern to, to listen to them and just respond in a godly manner and share what they needed to hear. And I definitely was not doing this alone. And there was an amazing group of people around me that were, that were comfort, comforting me and teaching me along the way and helping me. They were pointing to me and I was pointing to them and it was just, just an amazing time. I could go on and on with stories about like just what I saw there and I, I hope I get to in the future, but we just don't have enough time. And I want to make it clear that when I say I did all these things, it's nothing about me. This isn't about me. I really can't take any credit for 
what I did. God was just using me as a vessel for him. He was using me to pour and, and shine a light into these people's lives. I can't take any credit for it. It is all by the, the grace of God. So really, I want to sum all that up by saying that once I stepped through the door and experienced God and the, what the salvation that he had for me, we, as when we experience that, we need to go back. We need to go back and bring others with us through the door and into the kingdom of God. The grace and salvation that God gives us is not something that we can keep to ourselves. And I want to thank Mark for giving me this example. Um, I think it'll really shed some light on what I mean here and put it into perspective. So let's say that you, um, the genius that you are, you came up with a cure for COVID. You have a vaccine for COVID uh, where you could save the world with it, right? You have it and you, you've taken it yourself, so you're safe from COVID. You never have to worry about it again. But if you give people your recipe, if you give it to people who can actually do something with it, they can spread it throughout the world so that COVID won't matter anymore. You know, everyone will not have to fear COVID. This vaccine will save countless lives in the future. And it's not like giving the recipe to your vaccine. I know it's not really that easy, but giving the, the recipe for your vaccine to a scientist who can mass produce this and give it to, you know, the world, that's not going to compromise you. That's not going to make it so that you are at risk because of COVID now. No, you're still safe from COVID. So in this instance, you would, and you rightfully should, tell anyone and everyone that you have a cure for COVID or a vaccine for COVID. In the same way, we can't in good conscience keep the gift of salvation to ourselves. Once we enter heaven's gates and experience the goodness of God, what does Jesus tell us to do? He doesn't tell us to sit there and bask in his goodness and forgiveness and mercy forever, even though that's the easy thing to do and that's what we might want to do. We can't be selfish with it. Jesus wasn't sent just to save you. He was sent to save you, but not just you. He was sent to save the world. And this is, this is really where my heart's at, that there, there are lost souls out there. There are lost souls all around us. There are people hurting like we've never seen before. People are broken. People are depressed. They're sad. They're lonely. You can, the list goes on and on. And these are people that you see on a daily basis. They're in your classes. They're your roommates. They're your coworkers, your family, your friends, and even your boyfriends and girlfriends. These are people who haven't heard the good news. They haven't heard the gospel. They haven't heard these five words and verses that are laid out in a way for them to truly understand the weight of the sin and death, but then the gracious salvation that awaits them because of the love of Jesus. They don't know how to get to the door. They don't even know about the door. They don't know how to enter the door and experience the kingdom of God. They don't know the gift that God has in store for them. So we can't sit still and be quiet about our relationship with God anymore. We need to go. Just before Jesus left the earth to, to be with his Father in heaven for eternity, he, he gives a final message to his disciples. In Matthew 28, 18 through 21, um, Jesus said, Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority of heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. 
So Jesus tells his disciples to go, to carry out his will on earth. Now these disciples, they have the good news. They are saved. They could have easily gone back to their lives. They could have worked to the day they died like so many of us do. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, but that's not what Jesus wanted them to do. Jesus wanted them to, them to spread the word, to spread the good news, to make disciples, to baptize, to teach people and help them obey the law. And this is what I really want to leave you here with tonight. And the worship team can start to make their way up as I, as I close here. That, that we as Christians, we are disciples of Jesus. Now, what does being a disciple of Jesus mean? This is something I struggled with. And, and Billy Graham puts it in a way that better than I ever could. Uh, being a disciple of Jesus means that we want to put God's word into action by seeking to live the way Christ wants us to live. And Jesus made it very clear to what he wants us, his disciples, to do. He wants his disciples to go. He wants us to spread the gospel, to bring people into a relationship with Christ. He wants us to lead people to the door and walk with them through it and into the kingdom of God. So tonight you've been equipped. You've been equipped with these five words and these five verses that I explained earlier. And this is really all you need to share the gospel, to tell someone about Jesus and about eternal life. This is how you love the lost and save the lost. This is how you lead them to the door and assist them in entering into the kingdom of God. This is the gospel and this is the good news of salvation that needs to be heard by everyone. And it is our duty as Christians and disciples of Jesus to make sure that this happens. So let's close in prayer here. God, I just pray for the lost in the room right now. That you would be a light in their life that this message goes straight to their heart and that they take this with them and they make that decision to follow you, to give their life to you and just find that salvation, that peace that comes with them, that you just give them the Holy Spirit and reveal yourself to them in a way that they never thought was possible. God, I pray for the lost who are not in this room right now, who are still out in the world. I pray that us, your disciples, everyone who's in this room right now, that you give us confidence, that you give us peace, that you give us courage to not be afraid to talk about you and the salvation that you've given us. We can't be afraid in sharing this with the lost out there. And just help us do that, God. I pray that everyone takes this time of worship to really reflect on the radical salvation that, that you gave us. There was a time in our lives where we made the choice to follow you. Whether that's happening now or that happened in the past, just help us to reflect on that because it was a radical time. You saved us, God. And just help us never forget that. You are our Savior. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, 
and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless.